On this episode of the Other Bundesliga podcast, we look at Salzburg's return to European action and the opening two rounds of the Bundesliga in 2023. Welcome to the other Bundesliga podcast from the Long Hall Pub and Kitchen in Vienna. It's Tom Midler here with Simon Clark and Lee Wingate. We've all got fresh beers, so cheers everyone. And cheers to everyone who is listening as well. We hope you can hear that satisfying clink of our beer glasses from the Long Hall. Um, but for today, we've got another dose of Austrian football news in English to bring to you. We've had a couple of rounds of Bundesliga fixtures since the winter break now. A European game as well and a fair bit of cup action on top of that. But for today... Why don't we start with that European action that I just mentioned? Lee, it was, uh, it was your duty. You took it upon yourself, the, the tough task of going down to Salzburg. To be fair, it is quite a tough task. It's a long day, isn't it, to go uh, and come back on the same night for Salzburg. But you went down to see Salzburg against AS Roma. And uh, in the end, it turned out to be a good night for Austrian football, didn't it? Yeah, it is a little bit of a demanding task in one day. A six-hour, 500-kilometre round trip, but we do it for the Europa League, don't we? No questions asked. Wait, did you say 6,500? Six-hour, 500-kilometre <laughs> round trip. I think you said 6,500 kilometres. No, like, no. That doesn't sound quite right. I'm not no. the best with this. Uh, Although, that would be free with the Klima ticket. To be fair, that's Which, true. Which, for those of you who don't know, is this brilliant initiative in Austria where you can buy a ticket for the whole year to get you on any public transport I mean, it's not free because you pay for it, but it feels like it's free when you get on the train without buying a ticket. Did it get you into the Harry Potter exhibition for free? I heard a Marauder's Map told me that you were there twice at the Harry Potter exhibition. I have been to the Harry Potter exhibition in Vienna this week. Um, yeah, I accidentally signed myself up twice when you register at the start. So my name was appearing all over the Marauder's Map. There were, ki- <laughs> there, were, there were kids, there were toddlers there that managed to register themselves properly, but I didn't. But it's true magic when you look at the map and you see Lee Wingate on there twice. How did you do it? Were you just too impatient or did you just think it hadn't worked and you did it again? Yeah, the, the latter, the latter. I don't particularly recommend it though. This Harry Potter exhibition, they take it all over the world and at the moment it's in a few, I think it's in three different cities. One of them is in Vienna. It's in the middle of nowhere over... Um, the other side of the river it was in the arse end of nowhere pain to get to and it wasn't really worth the money so I had a much better time in Salzburg to be honest yeah did the Marauders map show you going all the way to Salzburg on the train no it didn't Uh, alas no but you did make it and there was a game there was a game of football to watch yeah I mean we're obviously a little bit disappointed last year that Salzburg didn't manage to qualify from their Champions League group but the Europa League as we saw in I think it was 2018 is probably their best route to achieve some sort of European success either that or the Conference League and Roma was an interesting opponent because they won the Conference League in its first ever edition last season managed by Jose Mourinho now of course and I did go into it thinking that Roma would probably be slight favourites and was very pleasantly surprised by Salzburg's performance I have to say. Yeah so we've seen in the last few years uh, as you said a lot of great hopes for this Salzburg team maybe dropping out of the Champions League they've done that in two of the last three years gone into the Europa League and we've thought great a big chance to, to make inroads into the competition we say that every year we feel it every year but actually in reality the stats don't back that up do they they've fallen at the first hurdle on the two most recent occasions they've not been blessed with easy draws although to be fair in the first knockout rounds of the Europa League you don't really get easy draws these days and AS Roma was absolutely no different We didn't really mention it on the Cup podcast from before, but Salzburg have traditionally started after Christmas perhaps um, a little below their usual high standards in Austria. This year, it's seen them knocked out of the Cup, surprisingly. Those other years, it's seen them kind of fail to make an impact in the knockouts in Europe. But hopefully, after a 1-0 win against Roma, there's, uh, there's reason to be optimistic. What are you feeling after having watched that game, if indeed you did see it through your through your tweets that you told me about? Well, yeah, just to give some context to that, I was very busy uh, promoting our sister podcast, The Sweeper, of which there is a new episode out now for all your random and quirky stories from across Europe. Uh, I was busy promoting that sort of before and a little bit during the game, so I did miss some notable moments of the Salzburg match. But what I did see was very impressive. (laughs) Um, I really, honestly, really enjoyed the performance from Philip Koeningal, Nicholas Seiwald running the show in midfield. 
Um, Umasole was a rock at the back as well. And I think that... Solid as a rock? Is there some, <laughs> is there some pun in there about some, an old song? Uh, that, sorry, hey, that, hey, we, rubbish? we know that's my job on the podcast, the bad puns. All right, sorry. Um, but yeah, I thought that, that Salzburg really did try and attack Roma. Roma, I thought, were a little bit sort of what you just typically associate with the Jose Mourinho team, sort of sitting back, looking for their opportunities. And they did have a couple. I did think. you see the bus? <laughs> did you see the AS Roma bus at the stadium? <laughs> no, I didn't actually. Uh, I, I did not. But it did feel a little bit like they were parking the bus at times in the first half because there was sort of these wave after wave of energetic Salzburg attacks. A couple of opportunities at the other end. Tammy Abraham had a good chance and Philip Kern made a really nice save. Um, and then there was a, a, a sort of strange incident where Andrea Bellotti kicked the ball from inside the six-yard box down into the ground and then Kern sort of palmed it onto the bar. So there were a couple of moments where Roma should have scored, uh, but they didn't. And in the end, it was right at the end, just when I was thinking, I'd never seen a nil-nil draw live before this season. And I've already seen one, Sturm Graz against Lazio. So Austrian teams versus Italian teams in the Europa League seem to be a little bit like my kryptonite. I was thinking, we're, right, yeah, we're on course for another goalish draw here. And then a beautiful cross from Strahinja Pavlovic on the left wing. It's right into the danger zone and headed into the corner by Nicolas Capaldo. Brilliant. Yeah, when we saw that goal together, you said that Pavlovic has put it into an undefendable area in the penalty box. You know, it's curling in, isn't it? Sort of an early cross on the left wing, if you will, um, curling in towards just that gap away from the penalty spot, between the penalty spot and the D, and it just slots into a really nice gap between the defenders, doesn't it? And Capaldo's running in to get it. It was a, a beautiful goal, but Pavlovich has been a bit of an opinion divider this season. He's sort of a bull in a china shop in one sense, but in another sense, he drives the ball forward for Salzburg a lot. He's certainly a player who stands out and makes himself noticed, not always for the best of reasons, but you know, certainly as many positives as negatives when it comes to Pavlovich, and he looks very much like a kind of rough diamond to me. Um, would, would you say he's sort of confirmed that a little bit with another good performance in, in Europe? Yeah, I think we've particularly noticed some of the weaknesses in his game watching him at the World Cup, because then obviously he was up against the likes of Neymar, Brazil, you know, all of these world-class players. In the Austrian Bundesliga, perhaps some of his vulnerabilities are not on show for everyone to see so often. I thought he played very well against Roma, solid defensively, and he always looks to get forward and sort of make those direct vertical passes through the lines. And it was a beautiful cross for Capaldo's goal. So I think Matthias Jaisler will be extremely happy and probably feeling quite positive going into the second leg. From my perspective, an important win for Austria in terms of the coefficient as well. Uh, every win in Europe, of course, is counted over 90 minutes and over the one game. It's uh, you know, regardless of what happens in the second leg, Austria and Salzburg in this case have got a win over Roma. That's quite important to keep hold of this 10th place that Austria sit in at the moment. The teams behind, or the nations behind, sorry, are making a, a run for that top 10 position, especially Turkey, who've got a bit of a, a strange one this year with so many strong teams playing as you know, heavy, heavy favourites in the Conference League against uh, much weaker, traditionally much weaker opponents. So you'd expect Turkey to still gather a whole bunch more points. I think they've still got four teams remaining and then pretty much everybody else around about the top 10 um, some from sort of 8 to 15 has really only got one team remaining. So uh, Salzburg, the lone contenders now for Austria. Important that they picked up that 1-0 win, uh, much better than just a 0-0 draw, which in itself would have been reasonable. But how important is it in the complexion of this tie overall? Because surely it's still going to be a very tough job against Roma in Rome. That's going to be a, a feisty atmosphere, isn't it? Yeah, I was saying earlier today, it's a shame that the away goals rule is not in place anymore because then if Salzburg scored once in Italy, Roma needs three goals. And I feel like that would be quite a big ask based on their performance in the first leg. It's going to be at the Stadio Olimpico. It's going to be atmospheric. There's going to be a lot of very passionate Roma fans there. It's going to be a big ask. But I genuinely believe that this young Salzburg team can do it. Of course, they did have that slip up in the cup that you, you referred to before. But I think they looked pretty much comfortable for a lot of the game as well. And so I, I'm going to back them to go through. Perhaps a little bit of bias creeping in there, but I do back them to go <laughs> You're through. You're allowed to be biased. That's, that's OK. Um, you've seen them live as well. You know, you watched that game. Obviously, it could have gone either way as well to some extent. It's going to be very, very close. But a 1-0 win puts them in a good position. It's finely poised for sure. Roma are anything but out of it. But nonetheless, Jose Mourinho was pretty bitter about losing 1-0, wasn't he? And he had some choice words to say about the Austrian Bundesliga, which, which we took to heart. Um, 
I know you looked into that a bit more, didn't you, Lee, <laughs> about Mourinho's reaction post-game? Yeah, I feel like this, knowing Jose Mourinho from his previous uh, trainer stazionen in, in England, in, in Italy as well, and in Spain, this kind of reaction is fairly normal for him. And comments such as, we should have had a penalty, I can accept. Comments like, the better team lost, I can accept a little bit less, but maybe understand. Verging into the territory of bitterness there, isn't yeah. it, when you start to say that? But hey, Josie, don't say Salzburg have easy games. We don't. Uh, I felt that was a, a very unnecessary dig at our beloved Austrian Bundesliga. That was not welcome. We're going to fight back. When there's talk like that, we're going to fight back. Yeah, so his point was essentially that they have easy games so they can rotate players. And so they came into this game much fresher. We don't. Every point in Italy is worth its weight in gold, he said. Uh, so he clearly uh, took, took that defeat rather badly because to say that the better team lost, you know, Salzburg had more possession, more shots on goal, and I think they played more on the front foot for large parts of this game. So I didn't necessarily see that through the same eyes as Jose. It's not really a classic adage, though, is it, that teams in sort of uh, strong teams in weaker leagues, in inverted commas, go on to do better in Europe because otherwise surely then Paris Saint-Germain, for example, would be the constant best team in Europe out of the top five leagues because they've traditionally had the more comfortable ride of things in their division or, or Bayern Munich would be constant Champions League contenders because they can also, by Jose Mourinho's own standards, therefore rotate in their games. Um, of course, yes, the Austrian Bundesliga isn't uh, as high up as Serie A. Nobody's pretending that it is, but it's not always been something which, which helps. Usually, I think people see it as the opposite, don't they? That if you're playing against uh, comparatively weaker teams, perhaps week in, week out, then it's harder to up your game to play against a side as good and as star-studded and as experienced as Jose Mourinho's Roma, is it not? I would just like to point out that Jose Mourinho's last visit to Austria as Spurs manager ended in a 3-3 draw against Lask, and that was not an easy game. And he failed to beat Viadze on two occasions, did he not? I think you're referring to a couple of years ago when Wolfsburg at say played against Roma in the ah, Europa League group stage and they drew 1-1 in Austria and then 2-2 in the, in the Olympico. So, yeah, I mean, in the last few years, Jose Roma, Roma. It wasn't just Mourinho's It was still Roma. Jose Mourinho couldn't beat Lask and Roma couldn't beat Wolfsburg. So there you go. Strength and depth in the Austrian Bundesliga. <laughs> Fact. Factually Facts. proven. <laughs> and after those particular choice comments by Jose Mourinho... Simon tweeted on the other Bundesliga's Twitter something along the lines of, can they do it on a cold and wet night in Lustenau, which is obviously a reference <laughs> to that, you know, that age-old comment, can they do it on a wet and windy night in Stoke? And that got us thinking a little bit about what the Austrian version of Stoke would be. It really did. I was thinking, what is, you know, because I loved that tweet. It was a great tweet. Simon wrote it in a chat and I was like, no, you're great. You've got to put that on Twitter because it's really, it's very funny. <laughs> um, but it really did get me thinking, what is the definitive... What, what was the, the original one? Like a, a, a rainy Tuesday night in Stoke or something? Yeah. What is the definitive... We don't really have Tuesday night games in Austria very much, but what is the definitive rainy Tuesday night in Stoke of Austria? And what does it, what does it entail to be the rainy Tuesday night in, in Stoke? Well, I mean, so it has to be against an opposition who is like renowned for being like really tough. But I think also the, the playing conditions as well. I think being in Austria, it has to be cold. It has to be freezing cold. So yeah. I, I don't know, mate. Is there a, a kind Innsbruck, of... but still Innsbruck's quite a nice playing surface. Yeah. In, in the, in it's hard stadium. to fit, isn't it? But there's also this kind of industrial element. Not only have you yeah. got absolutely solid, maybe uh, it's a criticism also of the Stoke in, the, in this <laughs> matchup, isn't it? Because it's like saying, look, they just play route one football. They boot the ball long into the wind and they'll break your legs if you try and play sort of fine uh, technical football. So there's all of those things. It's a bit of a, it's like besmirching the good name of, of Stoke as well. So we've got, to, we've got to do the same to one of the Austrian teams. And I'm, I, I think I'm zoning in on, on where I think that might be. I might say Austria Klagenfurt. Okay. Because they do play quite physical football under Peter Packel. It does get cold down there. It, down south, it does. It's very cold and windy down there. You're yeah. right. No, it's, it, that's very true. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of where my comparisons stop, I suppose. But being such a pretty beautiful country, it's hard to sort of we highlight. We don't really any have any Stokes, do we? No. <laughs> we don't have a Hull. We don't have an Austrian Hull. No. We don't have an Austrian Stoke. Um, I think maybe Pashing has got a shout. Mm. Although Pashing itself, is nothing, there's nothing really wrong with it. But it's like, it's a very unglamorous... Um, place the stadium is incredibly unglamorous you know the wind can like whip around in there you've got um lask you know Linz is the traditionally industrial city you know the city of uh, like steel and the 
this kind of industry. So maybe maybe you got something now. I think maybe an away game against Lask because they've come up from the lower divisions and, and been very solid. You know, when, when they had the days of like Gernot Trauner and stuff, they were a very solid team, got plenty of red cards, but then usually won as well. So I, I would say maybe it's like a Wednesday night away game against, uh, against Oliver Glasner's Lask or something. I don't think I can do better than that personally. Doesn't really translate, does it? There isn't an equivalent, <laughs> but... Yeah. After all that, Lee, we tried so hard and yeah. now it's, it doesn't work. But you can say that at least, dear listeners, we did try to give you the, the <laughs> genuine equivalent of a rainy Tuesday night in Stoke. Anyway, Salzburg have got a rather more glamorous away trip to Rome coming up this week. And uh, we do hope that they can do it. Uh, is there anything else to round up from your European extravaganza this week or shall we move on? Yeah, one more thing. So obviously being a Red Bull owned club, there are plenty of different Red Bull flavours in the fridges when you go to see a Salzburg game. And this week... I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> Nor would Simon. This week, I say this week, last week when I went along to that game, I had the fig flavour Red Bull, right? Would highly recommend. It doesn't sound like it works, but it works. I didn't even know they had that. Yeah, I mean, neither did I, but I was... Yeah, I, w I was very, very tired. I'd been editing a podcast all the way down to Salzburg and I needed a pick-me-up, so I tried about four or five different flavours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, th th that's a ridiculous amount of energy drink to have, Lee, in, in quick succession. Look, Simon, podcast editing requires they, this kind of high energy consumption. <laughs> they were small cans and I was buzzing all the way home, so... <laughs> No how, regrets. How did you sleep that night? Actually, fine. Energy drinks don't really affect me in that sense. They just, they just keep me awake when I need to be awake, and then I, otherwise I just close my eyes and that's it. But figs would recommend. Okay, before we send our listeners to sleep with our uh, continued European football talk, we'll refill our fig Red Bulls and we'll move on to some Bundesliga talk for part two of the other Bundesliga podcast. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Other Bundesliga podcast. If you are, please consider leaving us a review on your podcast platform of choice. It's really helpful for us in terms of finding new listeners. We're back for part two of this episode of the Other Bundesliga podcast, and we'll be looking towards the Austrian Bundesliga, the meat and drink, as it were, of our Other Bundesliga podcast focus, because the Bundesliga has been back for two rounds since the break. As opposed to the usual from the last couple of seasons, we have six rounds between the Christmas and winter break and the division of the top six and the bottom six. Remember, this is a league which splits into that top and bottom six after 22 games. Two of those games have gone. There's four more still to be played before the split and things are panning out uh, rather excitingly. But what's caught your eye from the first couple of fixtures this year? For me, I would say the atmosphere the SVV Reed versus Ask match, which looks fantastic, is always a, a great atmosphere for that local derby. But also the fact that the, the Kaito Nakamura came up trumps with, with, with a, a 90th minute equaliser in, in front of the away supporters. I think uh, that that was quite an entertaining match in, in the last few, few fixtures. But I think the atmosphere at Reed, particularly for, for a match against Lask, is always an occasion. And it's a shame I, I was planning to visit, but you know, as we talked about going to Salzburg, it's a long way <laughs> from Vienna, but I, I, it's a shame. I, I should have gone, really. A long way on a rainy and windy Sunday. Uh, it, it was a very, very wet weekend as well. Yeah, so. A weekend version of a, a rainy Tuesday night in Stoke, potentially. Yeah, potentially, <laughs> potentially, yeah. <laughs> Actually, interesting you should talk about the atmosphere because it's always fiery for these derbies. There were three derbies this weekend, but Reed struggled to sell tickets. Their usual contingent uh, wasn't sold this weekend, and that's maybe a sign of how the club are struggling despite being in the cup semi-finals and having an amazing chance to lift some silverware this season they're really struggling the league uh, they came into that clash in the upper austria derby uh, bottom of the table mm -hmm. up against high flying lask and as you alluded to there you know nakamura got the 90th minute equalizer but reed will have looked at that as two very important points dropped because they were leading for most of the game and Lask had a red card around about halfway through when the defender played goalkeeper and uh, tried to punch the ball away, something that I remember happening to me in a, in a school game uh, a long, long time ago. At that point, I realised that perhaps my calling was to be a goalkeeper because I made a brilliant save and then uh, looked a bit sheepish as I realised that I wasn't supposed to have done it. But <laughs> <laughs> Same thing happened to, to Lask this weekend. But nevertheless, they fought back really nicely taking goal Moses Usor as well the new signing from Slavia Prague getting the assist 
But Nakamura, he scored the winner in the previous game for Lask, and now the leveller against Reed. Lask kind of quietly getting the job done mostly. You know, they'll take a point there. They always seem to struggle in this upper Austrian derby, though, don't they? Despite the fact that in the table, they are usually comfortably ahead of Reed. It's that old adage, isn't it? That the form book sort of goes out the window on, on derby day with the local bragging rights at stake. I thought that Lask probably were quite fortunate to come away with something from this game when you consider Felix Lukaneda's aforementioned red card. And I did want to ask you briefly, did you get sent off for your infraction? I definitely did, yeah. It, it, it was a sending off in one of those games where you literally don't get yellow cards or red cards as well. But they, they made a special exception because I tipped the ball over the bar clearly with my hand. Um, yeah. I do remember it happening against me, actually, in a league match as well. You know when you're playing in these, like... Uh, you're sort of a teenager, you're playing for your local village club or whatever, and you play against another village across town, and it's like one of the people that you know from your school is playing in that rival team, and then all the rest of the people from your school are in your team. And it was that guy who played for a different village who made the handball against like all of his schoolmates, including me, and he tipped it around the post. But on that day, to, to typify teenage football, I think his own dad gave the penalty against him for diving and handballing it, and then my team managed to score a late level or whatever. Enough about my teenage football days. But. I did just want to clear that up. But it was a similar situation for Lukaneda, really, with a very obvious handball on the line. And I felt that that sort of put Lask on the back foot a little bit. So to come away with anything, I think, will have made Didi Kubawa very happy. And as we know, Didi Kubawa is not often <laughs> very happy. He was, uh, yeah, very, very angry, as per usual, at half-time in that game, because Lask... Uh, didn't particularly play very well. I wouldn't say they played th that well really in their first game either. They got across the line with just the one goal. Their first two fixtures were against two clubs bottom of the table at the time and they've not really convinced. Just going back to the red card briefly, do you do that? Is it one of those things? I know it's just a reaction, but do you regret that or do you think you should have let it go Tom. in? Yes, you do. Yes. If I was in that position, of course I'd handball. Because obviously it's going to be a red card and a penalty. But as was shown in the, in, the, in the 2010 World Cup, it can work out sometimes. So I, I think I would do it all day long. And, and I know he's going to say the exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about this many, many times in the past. As a man that's played many games of FIFA against Simon, I can say that he's got absolutely no morals whatsoever. So <laughs> that answer does not surprise me. Okay, fair enough. So we're mixed on whether you should do that. It depends on the time of the game, doesn't it? I mean, just thinking in the Premier League this weekend, Nick Pope, the goalkeeper, came out, handled the ball sort of arguably for no reason and now he's missing out on the cup final you think wouldn't you rather just go 3-0 down in a game that you're probably going to lose anyway and not miss the cup final rather than make a massive late last ditch handball and get yourself sent off I don't know different topic I suppose yeah, like it? I think it depends on the situation really in terms of uh, what happened at the weekend in the Premier League I mean yeah it was just uh, a stupid thing to happen I think in this situation because it's a, a, a match that both teams really want to win it's a local derby game in that sort of atmosphere of course you handball on the line I think in that sort of situation I'd accept it it turned it into the derby that we wanted to exactly. see somehow didn't exactly. it but a credit to last though you know they got a point at least as I said earlier it'll feel really like two points dropped for Reed having lost their last game um, narrowly as well yeah difficult Difficult times for Reed, who are still at the bottom of the table. Lask picking up the point and moving on. Uh, Nakamura with a, a brilliant finish at the end, burying it at the near post. He's joint top on scorer points in the Bundesliga with Brian Teixeira. So things going well for, for Nakamura. What about other teams uh, near the top of the table or, in fact, near the bottom of the table? Who's caught your eye so far since the restart? I'll cover both of those in one fell swoop uh, by talking about the match, another regional derby, actually, between Hartberg and Sturm Graz at the weekend. So Sturm Graz up in second, Hartberg now joint bottom, I think only 11th by virtue of their head-to-head -head record against Reed. And this was... <coughs> This was just an example of Storm Graz's recent professionalism, I think, in simply just getting the job done. Uh, they are now 13 league matches and three cup matches unbeaten over a six-month period, which is something of, a, I suppose, a misleading statement because the Austrian Bundesliga has been on a three-month break over the winter. But No, no, you don't include that. You say, you say a six-month unbeaten run. It doesn't matter how many. If there's four and a half months of no football in there, you definitely say a six-month unbeaten run. All right, a six-month <laughs> unbeaten run then. But they were, they were very good again uh, against Hartberg. I thought they looked very comfortable. Nice early goal 
from Manf Manfred Zakaria. Lovely cross from David Schneg, who we talked about last time as the scorer of the greatest penalty in history oh, yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the Austrian Cup. And then Brian Teixeira getting a very nice assist, sort of speeding past Marin Karamako like he wasn't there. And, and Tommy Holvar scoring the goal. Hartberg did come back into it a little bit in the second half, scored through Dario Tadic, but I don't really feel like there was ever really going to be any other outcome. And so Sturm Graz are now still six points behind Salzburg, but of course, when those points get divided, that'll only be three. And who knows? I'd love to believe we could have a title race this season. Yeah, maybe. I do think it was important for Sturm and for Brian Teixeira that he got that score point with the assist. You mentioned, yeah, going past, you know, ghosting past Karamako, uh, but he won the ball off him as well and then pushed it down the wing and got the assist. Horvat scored a similar strike, perhaps an even better one against Rapid in Salzburg's last game, uh, in Sturm's last game, sorry, and that was ruled out. This time he did it against Hartberg and won, but that's traditionally been another derby where the league table doesn't really tell the story statistically. Hartberg have troubled Sturm Graz more than the league positions would suggest, haven't they? And again, they did it here. Sturm looked so comfortable, and then near the end, Hartberg weren't that far away from nicking a point. If taken after the fact that they beat Reed 1-0 in their last game, Hartberg, three points from their two games under Marcus Schopp so far. It's a real upturn for them, and I just get the feeling that they do look like a team who have got a bigger chance of surviving the relegation battle than they did before Schopp came in. Just the feeling that I get. Yeah, and with a couple of nice reinforcements over the winter, Dominic Frieser making his return. With a winning goal as Austria. well last time yep. in the game against Reed. So I, I would like to see Hartberg stay, if only, and... We all know that we're three big fans of Hartberg's very passionate president, Brigitte Annel, on this podcast. And if only for her, I do hope that they stay up at the end of the season. Moving to the other end of the table, uh, teams who are definitely going to stay up. How about Salzburg? What about their start? Obviously, they stumbled in the cup, but now they're back to form in the league with two wins from their two games. Who's caught your eye in the Salzburg team in their opening two victories? Well, I suppose we have to have a shout-out for Karim Konate, the young Ivorian who scored his first-ever goal in the game against VSG Tirol at the weekend. And I thought that was a really good win for Salzburg because VSG Tirol, aside from Salzburg, are the informed team in the league. They've taken, I think, 16 points from their previous six games coming into this one. So they're really high on confidence. And Salzburg, with the aid of a few very, very questionable uh, defensive incidents from VSG Tirol managed to get a relatively comfortable win at the end um, I heard there was a bit of a dodgy own goal but I actually didn't see this game uh, that opened the scoring didn't it yes yeah, so there was a corner came in and Ferdinand Oswald who is usually pretty reliable in the VSG goal totally misjudged the flight of the ball and flapped it and then it took its way uh, in, it made its way into the back of the net off of two defenders basically so it was a uh, pretty uh, horrendous own goal can't be doing that at nil nil against Salzburg can you yeah. really that's the shooting yourself in the foot and then there was some more poor defending to allow Benjamin Shesko to, to get the second one uh, shortly after the break and then Karim Konate having earlier missed a pretty good chance to score his first goal finally uh, did so when he headed a Moritz Kiergaard corner in so that was a, a pretty yeah, pretty good result for Salzburg in what was potentially a tricky game. Yeah, I noticed in their previous game as well, they beat Austria Lustenau 4-0 and Nicholas Seibald rather surprisingly got his first Bundesliga goal after 63 appearances. He's one of those players that's low-key gone without scoring in the Bundesliga because he scored in the Champions League and he scored in the Cup and uh, just had gone a long time without ever scoring in the Bundesliga. So that was a, a first goal for him, which was a bit of a surprise for me to see. I guess they're, they're looking good, still top. Sturm still pushing them all the way. It keeps things as the status quo at the top in the Bundesliga right now. Yeah, and of course, for, for, for the VSG to roll as well, they're, it, it, we're in with a huge shout of getting into the top six again, which I think for a club as small as VSG to roll would be an unbelievable achievement. That's happened once again. And uh, they, they have a six-point point cushion with four games to go. Is it going to be enough? They have uh, four toughish fixtures coming up. So... It remains to, to be seen, but VSG Tirol are having another wonderful season. I'd argue that if they picked up sort of one result out of those four games, which you'd expect them to, because they haven't just fluked it this season, they've been quality. They've, they've put good runs together and they've, you know, they've never fallen into the trap of sort of going into a losing run like a lot of teams have done this season. A few teams have bounced between sort of three wins and three losses. They've never done that. So I would certainly back them to get enough points to get into the top six. And that would be 
a, a very, very good one indeed for them. The game coming up at this weekend on the 26th of February, away against Altac, the, the old Vest derby in the Bundesliga. That looks like a massive one to me. If they can come through that and win, I think they'll be secure in the top six for sure. There's a lot of other teams, though, for whom top six participation is very much questionable. The first couple of games of the year haven't really answered any questions in terms of whether the top six would split from the bottom six. If anything, it's just muddied the waters even more. And now teams that I didn't think that were going to get in, like VRC and Lustenau, look like they're suddenly back in with a chance. And teams that I thought had the momentum to go in, like Austria-Vienna, now I'm no longer so sure. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on any of the rest of the teams who are in the sort of midfield mire, be it upper or lower? Perhaps this is a good opportunity to talk about the Corinthian derby at the weekend because Austria Klagenfurt have had another strong season and I thought up until quite recently that they were shoe-ins for a second successive season in the top six under Peter Packolt. But they were pretty comprehensively beaten by VRC at the weekend. All the goals coming in the first half. And again, this was like playing Simon on FIFA because it was just three <laughs> balls on the counter-attack that completely undid Austria, Austria Klagenfurt. And yes, 3-0 at the break, 3-0 at the end. And that really narrows the gap between those two because you've got Austria Klagenfurt in seventh place and uh, VHC just one point behind in ninth place now. So that's going to be pretty uh, close for, I think, those two trying to get in. Yeah, the top six battles looking like this right now. If we assume that the top three, Salzburg, Sturm and Lask, are all safely in by now, then you've got Rapid Vienna on 27, VSK Tirol on 27, Austria Vienna in 6th on 23, Austria Klagenfurt in 7th on 21, Lustenau now on 21 as well after their win, which sort of came out of nowhere, VHC on 20 in 9th with their win, which also came out of nowhere. So that's very close between all of those teams, really. You'd expect, as I said, VSK probably will be okay. Rapid should be okay with 27 points. But now, yeah, Austria, there's so many Austrias there. Austria, Vienna, Klagenfurt and Lustenau all absolutely in the mix for that top six place and Lustenau um, and VRC sorry as well have put themselves in there the bottom three is maybe a separate battle of its own now with Altac on 15 Hartberg 14 and Reed 14 but um, how big was that for Lustenau to, to bounce back and get a win I thought the Lustenau were, were well out of it for Lustenau it was an absolutely huge win to play against Austria Vienna who currently sit in sixth place they knew that a victory would bring them only two, two points away and it was only a single goal that, that decided the match with uh, Lucas Frifedericus striking from the right that was all it took his um, father used to play for Austria Wien Austria Wien yeah. of course yeah of course and um, yeah it was just a fantastic win for Austria Listenau and I think now it's made it very very exciting in the middle and, and the fact it was those four teams that all played each other as well this weekend m m made sure that that middle ground of the league has completely punched up and now they're separated by only two, two points, I believe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that, that specific combination of fixtures, as you mentioned, and the two winners that came from that being Lustenau and VRT, that is what's massively blown open the race for the top six. And we love that because it just keeps it really interesting. Of course, yeah. it makes it very, very interesting. And, but I do think that Rapid Vienna and VSK Tirol, yes, they have a six-point gap over seventh. However, looking at both of their fixtures now... I think Rapid probably just have enough. Veski Tirol, again, I'm not sure, although Veski Tirol are in good form and so are Rapid. So. But it's the Austrian Bundesliga. Anything can happen. So. Interesting. So I've said that they'll probably be in those two. You said you're not quite sure. Either way, I'm really looking forward to how that battle is going to uh, add up, really. And that's, for me, that's one of the most exciting things. I know it's a bit of a controversial format, but I love that. I think every single year since the split's been introduced, we've had some kind of absolutely ridiculous drama that's decided seventh and sixth and teams moving up in the current standings table in the kind of injury time at the end of round 22 of the season via own goals or a goal here or there deciding something on goal difference mm -hmm. or head-to-head it's been like drama that you know if you were if you were going to script it you would have written it as dramatic as it's been in real in real life so uh, it's all set up for that to happen again with four rounds left i spotted one decent stat actually about one of the teams involved in that battle um the the sturm being unbeaten for six months including going unbeaten through their ultimately unsuccessful european campaign which was just hilarious but there was a better stat in my opinion which is that there's a team who have scored in every single round of this season. And there's only one team who've done that. This is not from Opta or from anybody legit. This is from me, myself, thinking that I've worked this out. And, and that team has won the four teams who we mentioned in the mix. Yeah, who's scored in every round this season? Any guesses? Wolfsburg, I'd say. I don't think it's easy to pick, but it is VRC, you're right. They've scored in absolutely every single round of the season. And they have, on one occasion, kept a clean sheet. So, so only one clean sheet, but 
a goal in every single game this season. Mostly Ty Baribo and Maurice Malone, who are both looking uh, very much on form up front. But what a strange season they're having. I feel like their usually reliable defenders have been very bad and just been off form. Their new goalkeeper, Bonman, doesn't look particularly strong. But up front, they've been consistent. I can't believe that. The only team to have scored in all 18 fixtures so far. Last yep. time they drew a blank was in Europa League qualifying. Wow. Was that against Giants, Jazeera United of Malta as well? I think it was actually, yeah. 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 How strange. Anyway, um, should we wrap it up there for our Bundesliga review? Or do you want to mention Rapid Vienna before we wrap it up? Because uh, there's a good, good little story from Hütteldorf this weekend, wasn't there? That concerns uh, 22-year-old Oliver Struntz, who has sort of come through the ranks over this winter break, really, and sort of staked his claim for a place or a regular place in the Rapid Vienna team. And he scored two goals at the weekend in their 3-0 win against Altac. Um, the first one was very much a forgettable goal, a sort of tap-in from close range from Jonas Auer's cross. Good movement, mind you. He showed good awareness to get into that position, I would say. Yeah, I think me describing it as forgettable is only so I can set up the description <laughs> of the second goal. All right, sorry. Which sorry. was anything but, and that was gathering a through ball, cutting inside his marker and curling this just beautiful effort just out of reach of the goalkeeper into the top corner. A big fan of that, and he sort of looks like a player that could potentially fill an attacking hole for Rapid Vienna because you have to say that sometimes they do look a bit blunt going forward. Yeah, they're strange as well, statistically, given that Guido Burgstaller scored in that game as well. He's now got, I think he's got 11 goals for the season, which is one of the top records in the Bundesliga. And now Marcus Pink is misfiring for Austria Klagenfurt. He hasn't added to his 12 for quite a long time. Burgstaller's catching up with 11. Yet still, Rapid Vienna took till the second half to break down Altac. And you still weren't sure if goals were going to come at all. And then, yeah, Struntz with a dream starting debut getting the brace, as you mentioned, and Burgstaller getting one in as well. But yet you're still not sure that Rapid Vienna have got this kind of reliable firepower up front. It's a, it's a strange anomaly, but that's what happens in Austrian football. Rapid remind me of, of Lask in a way, that sometimes they really show what they can do and you know that they're capable of so much and then it works against them when they fail to deliver it. In, in other games. I think that's what makes Sturm so impressive for me at the moment because what sets them apart from all of the other challenges is that consistency, just week in, week out. It's true, it's true. Um, the last team that we didn't mention actually there just briefly came up was Altac, who I thought were a bit unlucky in the very heavy rain of the game on the weekend. They've lost both of their games since coming back. But I think under Miroslav Closer, they started to play quite well and I put a tweet out there uh, signalling uh, that Abdianovic has been one of the players that I've really been impressed by in 2023. He was brilliant uh, in his surprise inclusion in Altac's first game. Really went close to, to troubling Lask. I erroneously said that Lask played against Hartberg in their first game earlier. It was Altac, and Abdianovic was great for Altac that day. And he was also very good against Rapid, ultimately unsuccessful on both occasions. But I feel like Altac are doing a lot right and just not getting the results at the moment. Getting closer and closer. Ooh. Very nice. very nice. With that, we shall bow out from our Bundesliga chat. We'll come back with a very brief section three talking about the cup and a few other questions as well. So this is part three, the final part of today's episode of the other Bundesliga podcast. We've had the cup draw over the weekend. We got Rapid against Reed and Sturm against Lask. Those will be the cup semi-finals. And for me, when I read those cup semi-finals, I read Rapid against Reed, and I was like, oh, so who have Salzburg got? Salzburg, are they home or away? Salzburg against, wait, who is it? Salzburg, wait, Salzburg aren't in it. I had that big revelation moment that it wasn't going to be Salzburg in the next round, which, you know, was quite exciting I have to be honest it's almost like we didn't do a pod solely about this two weeks I know, ago I know but they, then for some reason they do the draw so much later that I'd basically forgotten all about our brilliant pod which I'm sure you dear listeners have not forgotten about because it was you know imprinted upon your memory with how excellent it was uh, completely unforgettable that pod but still yeah I was surprised again and uh, pleasantly surprised to remember that it's Sturm against Lask in the other semi-final so one of those four teams is going to lift lift the pot as they say in uh, German football if you're a fan of those four teams, this is very exciting. And I could sense, uh, so after the draw was made, I think the fans happiest there are probably Rapid Vienna fans. And as we all know, Rapid Vienna have got a long time about winning a trophy. Uh, the last time that they won anything was 2008. The last time that they won the cup was uh, 20, 28 years ago. 
28 years ago, so it's a long, long time for a club as historical as Rapid. So, but I think uh, from what we saw on Twitter, Rapid fans are very, very excited. I think all they really wanted was a home draw, wasn't yep. it? Because they haven't played a single home game in the Cup this season. It, it's a home draw against the team who, who are, in, in quotes, the weakest team in the draw. I mean, they're bottom the of the Bundesliga. It's, it's fair to say that when you've got like second, third, fourth and bottom. Uh, yes, of course. But at the same time, do you not think if you're a Rapid Vienna fan, the expectation now is already it was high. <laughs> but now you're playing the weakest team in the tournament at home. The potential for disaster yeah. is, is yeah. massive. The potential is huge for a disaster here. But obviously, if Rapid Vienna qualify for the final, we know there's going to be a sensational atmosphere against whoever the opponent will be in the final. That's the weakest team that have won the cup twice since Rapid won it, though. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. To give so them their dues. They That's are true. quite good in the cup. Big chance of getting one of many people's dream finals, though. I think most people picked online that they wanted to see Sturm Rapid in the final. And we do have a big chance of that. They've both got the home draws. I think that could potentially be big as well. Salzburg last looks like a great encounter, but the home advantage is with, with, with Sturm. And that's, you know, that could be a... I think you just said Salzburg oh, yeah. last. Salzburg on the brain. Salzburg aren't in it. Because they win so much. Um, yeah, Sturm have the home advantage against Lask. So it's a big advantage for them, isn't it? That does make a difference in what looks like on paper a pretty close game that you'd probably make Salzburg... Sturm, because <laughs> they start with S, there's nothing else about oh it. You'd make Sturm the favourites for that, because anyway, they're playing slightly better than Lask in the league, and now they've got home advantage too, so big chance for them. Not Salzburg, Sturm. Yeah, I, I think if I had to put my money on who's going to win this tournament, I am going to go with Sturm Graz. Again, they, they win it every year. Every year. Oh, no, wait. <laughs> <laughs> If you do choose to eliminate or edit out your previous comments about Salzburg, that is not going to make any sense. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'll stay true. I'll stay true. I'll own my error that I've got Salzburg on the brain in the cup. Like I said, genuinely from the draw onwards, I've had them on the brain. But um, yeah, huge chance for those teams. So are we, are we picking that? Do we think it will be the aforementioned uh, Rapid against Sturm Graz final? Yes, I think so. I think it's the only match in Austrian football that that could probably f fill out the Vertice Stadion, which unfortunately for a lot of finals is half empty. And if it is that final, it will be close to a sellout, which would be pretty extraordinary for the cup final. I'm, I'm crestfallen, but at the same time, I love it. But I've just booked to go to Seattle and visit my family in the US, which is going to be absolutely amazing. But it means I will miss <laughs> that cup final, which sounds like arguably... You could, you could definitely make a case for saying that's one of the best games in Austrian football since we started the podcast five years ago. A Sturm Rapid final. If it does get that. Of course, we're not there yet, but still, I'm already disappointed that I'm not going to be there for it. It's all right, mate. I'm sure in about 10 years' time, there'll be another cup final for you to catch without <laughs> Salzburg in it. Oh, that's the problem, isn't it? Yes. Maybe, maybe in a decade, uh, we will see it again. Um, anyway, Cup's looking interesting. Those games will take place early on in April. So I'm hopeful that at least I'll be able to get to one of the semi-finals if I can't do the final. Other than that, the last thing to round up is a couple of questions we got. And um, they're not unnecessarily normal Bundesliga questions. One of them was about Jesse Marsh, who has left Leeds United. Any thoughts on Jesse Marsh, former Salzburg coach, of course, getting sacked by Leeds in the Premier League? He had talks with Southampton after that. It looked like he'd make a very quick switch to Southampton. And I think Leeds fans were a bit jealous that Southampton had a better manager idea when they sacked their manager. They thought, well, great, we've already got somebody lined up. But it didn't work in the end. They couldn't get the terms of a contract agreed. So Marsh has been let go by Leeds and is not coming in to take over eventually from Austrian manager Ralph Hasenhüttl at Southampton. This was to do with the length of the contract. Jesse Marsh wanted one that was longer than, than what Southampton were proposing. I think there's no way of getting around the fact that his managerial career probably has not panned out the way he would have liked it to since he left Salzburg. He had that ill-fated spell at Leipzig. He's been sacked from Leeds now. Neither team, I think he's lasted more than a, a year in charge of. So I think he's maybe in his next job got a little bit of, I don't know if reputation rebuilding is too strong a way to phrase it, but he's certainly got a get a bit of longevity in his next coaching role and stay there for a while and, and sort of achieve something noticeable, I think, now. Next move's got to be the right one, hasn't it, mm. at this point? You're right. I think the thing that happened at Leeds was the same, that everybody liked him. Everybody wanted him to succeed. They loved the project. They loved the atmosphere around the club with Jesse Marsh. The real-life Ted Lasso. Exactly, but it didn't really work out. Yeah, for 
that's it. It's a bit of an American cliche, isn't it, in Austria? That it was the same when he was at Salzburg and then now even more so perhaps in the Premier League. But unfortunately, as you say, it hasn't really worked out for him. We like him as well. We wished him success, but it didn't really work. He signed a lot of American players over there. But do you think anyone's got any ideas as to where he might end up next? What I think Marsh will do next is probably international football, maybe. Oh, maybe. Um, I'm thinking about a US men's national team at the moment. Uh, their managerial situation is not incredible, <laughs> let's say. So I think uh, Jesse Marsh would immediately become a number one contender if, if that job became available. Yeah, good shout. Right. Okay, we'll go with that. Talking of things US-related... FC Pinskau, they've signed a lot of new players. We haven't talked about FC Pinskau for a long time. They're gearing up in the Austrian third division, which is a bit mad. Uh, we just got a question about them, so I just thought I'd mention that they're, a, you know, Austria's version of, like, Wrexham, but without Ryan Reynolds, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> still, Wrexham have been super exciting this season. Maybe Pinskau can do the same. They've brought in loads of players from the US this time. They've really uh, made a good run at 2023, and they've got themselves in a, an interesting position in the third division. So we'll be watching... Uh, with bated breath, I suppose, to see what happens to them because they've fallen short of their lofty expectations in previous seasons, despite looking quite good a couple of years ago. Um, they've been there or thereabouts, but never quite achieved their goals of, of getting up into the top echelons of the third division to, to look towards promotion. Um, but this year, who knows? They haven't started yet and they won't start for a little while in terms of competitive action, so we won't know for a while. Um, but yeah, I think they're quite interesting, the mountainous pine blues. And the last question we got was about the second division about Liga Svar, and uh, I'm liking the look at that it's seven points separating the top seven what, what do you go with here there's six points separating the top six and seven points separating the top seven six sounds somehow more rounded to me should I have said six points separating the top six or, or should I have gone with seven separating the top seven I think you, you can say whatever you wish here Tom okay. I mean whatever it's very very close to the top which is fun um, but of course, with the second division, you have to take into consideration that a lot of these teams like, can't get promoted. I, I see First Vienna in there, for example. They had a press conference uh, on Wednesday last week saying that, yeah, that they can't get promoted for at least two or three years because the whole Varta isn't Bundesliga standard yet. So you have to think a lot of those teams won't be able to be promoted, which is always a shame with the second division. True. Blauweiss-Linz are in second right now behind St. Pölten. Um, St. Pölten presumably will be able to get promoted if they mm -hmm. do come up. They've got one of the best stadiums in Austria, probably. It's a, it's a lovely ground. The envy of everyone. It's called the Envy Arena, for those of you who don't know by now, or those who've forgotten because they haven't been in the Bundesliga for a little while. But um, yeah, the Envy Arena is a lovely stadium, and that would definitely be fit for the Bundesliga, if only they could fill it with fans. I wouldn't mind Blauweiss Linz winning the title again, just so we could see a repeat of their celebrations a couple of years back. <laughs> Remember when they bought a shopping trolley full of cans of beer onto the pitch at the at the full-time whistle. I do, and they did it in the Salzburg, in the Red Bull Arena as well, didn't they? Because it was uh, against Liefering, and Liefering tried to sort of bring all the Salzburg fans to fire themselves to the title. But Blauweiss-Linz ended up winning it over there. They've got a new stadium being built as well. It's not just Lask who are starting off in Linz with a stadium this week, actually. Their, their first game already happened. They had their soft opening this weekend. That was a good one, wasn't it? Broken some records as well, that one. The crowd of 3,500 was the largest crowd for a club match in women's football in Austria so uh, fair play but there has been some contention about that because Vina Sport Club played against St Pauli and they got 11 more fans <laughs> that, that's such shithousery 3,511 yeah. 3, 11, yeah. Oh, so there's I, a contention about that but in terms of two Austrian clubs playing each other that was the all-time record. It was absolutely smashed by about 700. Very cool. Um, I bet somebody didn't count the exact figures on that because they've gone with 3,500. Well, uh, I mean, even, even that figures, uh, I've already seen tweets saying it was around 3,100, actually, not 3,500. Okay, okay. I was so going to say, because if they just I, went I mean, 3,500, there's somebody there saying, like, oh, there was probably 3,512, weren't there? <laughs> yeah. And we could have counted it properly and then got the all-time record. record. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited. Uh, so you, you, I think you're going there on Friday, right? Uh, I've applied Rafael for accreditation for the, for the game on Friday, yeah. So that would be the first times. men's Bundesliga game at the new stadium. Can't wait to see it. Somebody posted a picture of a cat litter tray, which looked really like it, <laughs> which made me laugh. It's like, nothing against the stadium because it looks amazing, but this, this like grey, silver, plastic cat litter tray did look just like the Raiffeisen Arena. So <laughs> I've been slightly put off of the Raiffeisen Arena, or the, the new one at least, since they scrapped their plans to build the largest playground in Europe within the stadium complex, which would have been so much fun, wouldn't it? You've already had the Harry Potter extravaganza and adventure this week, Lee. You can't I've take more of it on a Friday night. 
I've told you that, that that failed to meet my expectations. So, yeah, it's true. The last thing I'll say is that just talking about this, whoever scores first on Friday night is going to be sort of remembered as the first goal scorer at the new Raiffeisen Arena. But it's actually not true because the last women's captain was the perfect person to score the, the first goal in that game. Um, last women's team won 4-1 in the soft opening this weekend and it was Katarina Meyer who scored the first goal in the new stadium. Not only is she the captain of last women's team, but she was the first ever player that they signed when they launched their women's team just a couple of years ago. So I thought, really, for the history books, you couldn't possibly have a better first scorer. It would be a bit of a shame, except for the person who scores, if the away team had kind of got that first goal. You know, it's like, it's, not, it's just not quite right, is it? Imagine that contract signing. Welcome to the club. Oh, thanks. Who else have we got here? <laughs> Just you. <laughs> in the first interview, I wonder if she said, oh, there's a great atmosphere in the dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> Music taste, bang on, like everything's perfect in the dressing room. Well, on that note, I suppose, we should uh, empty out our dressing room for this episode of the other Bundesliga podcast. We'll sign off from the long haul. We'll refill our beers. It's come to my attention from uh, listeners that I say between every block of the pods that we'll go and refill our beers. And people are like, Blimey, you get through a lot, don't you? <laughs> so it may not actually be true. I'll have to put an asterisk next to that, that we don't necessarily... It's just the magic of audio. We don't Is necessarily it not true, Tom? always... Is it not true? Uh, it's mostly true. It's mostly true. It's mostly, I mean, true. It's mostly true. But maybe not always. Maybe not always. Anyway, for this one, we, we really will go away and get some delicious food from the long haul and some more causal beer as well. Uh, lovely Czech beer, I believe. It's, it's Czech, isn't it, causal? There we go. I'm getting nods from all around. I'll sign off for this one. Thanks a lot for listening to the other Bundesliga podcast. We'll be back very soon. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please consider leaving us a review on your podcast platform of choice. That's extremely helpful to us. We also have a Patreon page if you wish to chip in a few euro each month to help us out. That's over at patreon.com forward slash other Bundesliga. Special thanks go to Gabriel Geber at Torn Geber Studios for this lovely music and also to the Gentleman Creatives for their other Bundesliga logo artwork. 